Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down the 2023 edition of the Mexico Open at Vedanta. Uh, the PGA Tour is going to be kind of having a more normalized week this week after having the team event at the Zurich Classic of New Orleans last week, which ended with Davis Ridley and Nick Hardy both getting their first PGA Tour victory, which, I mean... In a team event, does it count as a victory? Did they each get 0.5 victories? You know what? I'm just going to say it's their first victory. They both got to hold up the trophy. They both got the prize money. It's their first victory. Anyway, it's a more normal week this week with the Mexico Open, although there are going to be some kind of quirks and differences that make this a little bit of a different event. And we're going to break it all down here for you on the podcast in 30 minutes or less. You will not find a more comprehensive preview done in 30 minutes or less less. Whether you're playing DFS this week, whether you're making outright bets this week, or whether you're playing one and done, we're going to have it all covered here on the podcast. We're going to break down the course itself and what sets up for success at Vedanta. Uh, And then we're going to profile some different golfers that are worth looking into this week before talking about our one and done strategy at the very end. So that is what you got coming here for you on today's episode. Now, make sure you hit the subscribe buttons that way you'll be notified when new episodes drop. Tomorrow, we will actually be dropping another new episode. We're going to be previewing Live Golf Singapore. Um, So, uh, we're going to kind of talk a little bit about the Live Golf event at Adelaide and what I think about the ridiculous TV schedule they had. Um, And then we're going to break down the Singapore event and, you know, hopefully... um, You will join us on that if you're playing DFS or making any bets on the Live Tour. uh, We'll have you covered on that as well. It was actually a decently successful uh, week last week for me in DFS on Live Tour. So, um, you know, I'm going to keep it up. I'm going to do another podcast for it, and we'll see how it goes. Anyway, that does it for the entry. You can go ahead and set your clocks to 30 minutes. Uh, The preview is about to start, but first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. All right, let's kick things off by breaking down the course itself. So the Mexico Open is going to be played at Videnta Vallarta Golf Course, which is not that far from Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Fun fact, it's not that far from where the movie Predator was filmed. Anyway, Vidanta is a Greg Norman-designed golf course that is about 7,500 yards, and it is at sea level. So unlike some other golf courses in Mexico, you're not going to get the boost of elevation to make those shots go a little bit farther. And it is a par 71. So 7,500 yards at sea level. Par 71, this is a long golf course, y'all. And really, it's a long golf course because it features a lot of long par fours. There's a lot of par fours that are over 450 and 500 yards, which means that you're going to see a lot of long approach shots into these greens here this weekend. Now, Vedanta does feature past palm grass throughout the course, and really, it's a type of grass that does very well with salt. It does very well with um, ocean water. It does very well on the coast, right? So you, it's kind of a typical grass of courses that you see in tropical regions. Like you can see at courses like Mayacoba, Corrales Golf Club, uh, the Puerto Rico Open plays at a course that has past pollen grass. And then the one in America that's notable that has past pollen is actually Kiowa Island, home of the 2021 PGA Championship. Now the characteristics of that past pollen grass is that it will feature minimal rollout and, and it will be really non-penal to hit in the rough. The rough does not grow that thick. Um, for past pollen grass. So you're going to see with like these drives, long hitters are going to carry the ball a long way and not going to roll it very far. And even if they don't hit the fairway, it's not going to be that penal to land in the rough. And then also past pollen greens tend to be easier for bad putters for whatever reason. Uh, I think there seems to be just the trends that I've noticed a little less break. Uh, and so you have guys that are just able to, you know, kind of put it straight at the hole and see if they can just get it right. Um, and so I kind of think that those past palm greens are really going to neutralize um, any guys that would have an advantage on 
on putting in the greens. Um, and also, it's very hard to find a lot of strokes gain data on past Palm greens because a lot of the courses that have them are not courses where you get shot link data from the PGA Tour from. Now, this is also a resort golf course. So, um, just kind of picture, like, it, you may have been to one of these places if you have some money, um, but resort golf is, like, where you go when you're on vacation or, like, at a work retreat where everybody goes to have a good time, right? You're not going um, to play the most difficult golf course on vacation because you want to have a good time, right? So resort golf is going to be feature very wide fairways. Um, it's going to feature non-penal rough, which we already mentioned. There is a decent amount of bunkering. There is a decent amount of jungle area on this course here at uh, Vedan but there's not a whole lot of hazards that are lurking. There's not a whole lot of danger lurking. Uh, so this course does tend to be pretty easy for that reason, but it also relies on two defenses. First is the natural distance that it has at 7,500 yards, uh, and then second is the wind. It tends to be pretty consistent where wind picks up in the afternoon, which is definitely worth considering. If you're playing any showdown DFS, you're going to want to target guys that are playing in the mornings because in the afternoon, it does tend to get pretty windy in um, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Now, on paper, this course favors golfers who have a lot of distance off the tee and great long iron play, kind of like how we already talked about. If it's going to be minimal rollout, you want guys who are going to carry the ball the farthest, and you also, with the long par fours that you're going to see, you want guys who are great with their long irons. Now, the one-year sample size of this tournament backs that up. John Rahm won here last year, followed by Kurt Kitayama, Brandon Wu, and Tony Finau as runner-up. Those are three guys, along with John Rahm, who are long off the tee and great with their long irons, and that seems to kind of back up what you would expect. However, I do have to give a caution that is only a one-year sample size of this golf tournament. So, I mean, you know, I'm a high school math teacher, so I got to give a little math lesson here, right? So, um, if you picture a bell curve, right, and just think about the total range of outcomes for this golf tournament, and you know, with the most common outcomes being like at the top of the bell curve. I think last year we got one that was pretty much at the top of the bell curve. Like we got a very on paper likely outcome in year one of this tournament. So do I think it's going to play exactly like that? It could. I think that's the most likely outcome, but there's also a chance that it doesn't. You know, maybe the wind picks up. Maybe we get some weather. Maybe they decided to grow the rough out thicker. I, you know, maybe there's all kinds of variables that could cause it to not turn out that way, but I can say without a doubt that in the one-year sample size of this tournament, everything that was expected to happen on paper happened in the actual tournament. So bottom line, if you want to build your team of all bombers off the tee, that are going to take advantage of the course's distance and going to be good with their long irons, hey, go for it. You can absolutely do that. If you want to build for a different narrative, you can do that. In terms of comp courses, there are a few that are natural comparisons. The tropical golf courses that are played at on the PGA Tour all feature past Palm Greens, Corrales Golf Club for the Corrales Punta Cana Championship, um, the Cocoa Beach for the Puerto Rico Open. I believe that's the course that they played at this year. Uh, and then Mayakoba for the Mayakoba Golf Classic. They're all past Palm Greens. But in my opinion, those three aren't the best comparisons. The skill sets don't exactly match up with what you would expect to be um, successful here. Those courses aren't really bombers paradises like you kind of see here at Mexico Open. Now, I do think there are two better um, comp courses that... Um, 
you know, fit the bill for what we're looking at. And it kind of goes into looking at, well, you know, John Rahm won here last year. Tony Finau was runner up here last year. So what are some courses that John Rahm and Tony Finau play well? And so the first obvious answer is Torrey Pines. Finau has a long run of finishes. John Rahm has the win at the U.S. Open. It's another course that features a lot of distance. It's coastal. The rough is not very penal with the exception of the 2021 U.S. Open. Um, and then it does feature a lot of long par fours. They're going to feature long irons into green. So I think Torrey Pines is a natural comparison. And then the other one I like is the Detroit Golf Club, home of the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Tony Finau actually won that event last year. And for whatever reason, there were a lot of names that popped up on the 2022 Rocket Mortgage Classic that played well in the 2022 Mexico Open. Uh, for whatever reason, there was just a lot of carryover with the, a lot of crossover with those two events. Um, and it's another course that it's kind of a bomber's paradise, right? Detroit Golf Club was actually the first tournament, very first golf tournament that I previewed on this podcast. Um, and it's absolutely a bomber's paradise because there's absolutely no trouble. Like it's very wide. It's very forgiving. There's no hazards and you can just bomb it as far as you can off the tee and then just hit the shortest club you can into greens. And Mexico open wasn't quite that easy last year, but it's a similar formula for success, right? You want to just hit it very far off the tee and you want to rely on your ability with the long irons or the shorter clubs that you're hitting because you're a longer hitter to do well into these greens. All right, so that does it for the course preview. Let's take a quick breather and then let's um, break down the golfer profiles. All right, so before we actually get into any of individual players, we got to talk about, you know, just kind of the field at this event. So um, let's go ahead and read off the list of the top 50 official world golf rankings players that are teeing it up here this week in uh, the Mexico Open. John Rahm, Tony Finau. That's it. Those are the only two of the top 50 players in the world golf rankings that are teeing it up this week. Now, honestly, in my opinion, when you're looking at DraftKings and FanDuel for DFS formats this week, those two guys are not priced high enough, in my opinion. You have to look at their actual winning equity to kind of get a picture of where they should be priced, right? Now, obviously, I really don't need to make the case for either of these two guys, but I will. John Rahm is coming off of winning the Masters. He's the defending champ at this event, and he has a win at Torrey Pines, which is one of my comp courses. He is also one of the best in the world, if not the best in the world, with a long iron in his hand. This is like the perfect profile for an event for John Rahm. Now, Tony Finau is not playing at his peak. He's been actually below average off the tee recently in his last five tournaments, but his approach game is absolutely dialed in. We know he's great with the long irons. He was the runner-up here at this tournament last year, and he has the win at Detroit Golf Club, which is one of my comp courses. And believe it or not, the runner-up here last year, he actually did that with heading into Sunday. He was the worst golfer in the field of anybody who made the cut in strokes game putting. Had a decent putting day Sunday, but still lost strokes for the tournament. So that runner-up finish, really, if he putted above average, he could have actually beat John Rahm in this tournament. Now, here's why I don't think they're expensive enough on DraftKings or FanDuel. So let's do a little bit of math here on win equity. You know, if you shop around different sports books, you could probably find John Rahm around three to one. So if his odds are three to one, then he has about a 25% chance to win. If Finau's odds are about nine to one, that means he has a 10% chance to win. And, and I think that's pretty comparable to a number you can find on him right now. So between those two, that's a 35% win equity. There is nobody else right now who is going to be under 20 to 1, in my opinion. So, in other words, no one else has a 5% chance to win. 
So those two guys take up a 35% win equity. No one else is going to be over a 5% win equity. So that win equity that you're paying for with these two guys is not proportional to how much more expensive they are than everybody else on DraftKings and FanDuel. I'm talking, I was expecting to see Rom at about 13000 on DraftKings. You know, like I'm talking like tour championship level prices like Scotty Scheffler was last year when he started with two strokes above everybody else. You know, I just think that, you know, the win equity is so much with those two guys. They should absolutely be priced higher. So there's no reason not to play either of them in your lineups. So I'm really projecting that both these guys, you know, I don't have an exact beat on ownership projections because it's only Monday, but I'm expecting both these guys to be well over 30% owned. Um, but hey, you know, if you play Rom and he wins the tournament, it doesn't matter how much owned he was. You're going to have to get the rest of your lineup right if you want to win big anyway. So I, I kind of think that you know, ownership this week with the two of them is not going to be a big concern if they come in high owned. I think if you really want to make a high leverage play, go ahead and play both of them in a lineup and see what you can piece together because I don't think a lot of people are going to have that exact combination. And last year, it would have worked wonders if you play both of them because Rom won and Finau was one of the runners up. So I'm absolutely okay with betting either of them outright. I'm absolutely okay with playing either of them in DraftKings or FanDuel. Now, to me, both of them also present a great live betting opportunity. If you're somebody who doesn't like betting favorites, then, you know, wait till Thursday and wait for somebody to drop out to an early lead or let Rom bogey one of his first four holes and let those odds drop to five or six to one and make that bet and, you know, see if he can come storming back. Or, you know, maybe on Saturday somebody's in the lead and Rom's lurking and you can get a good number on him. I think the two of them present a really good live betting opportunity this week because they are, by and large, the two best golfers in this field. Now, let's take a look at the 9K range on DraftKings. So there's a lot of talent in this range, but not nearly talent that's on the same level of John Rahm and Tony Finau. Wyndham Clark is playing the best golf of his career. He hasn't missed a cut since October, and he hasn't finished outside the top 40 since January. He very nearly won the team event last week with Bo Hostler. Uh, last year was not exactly his shining moment at the Mexico Open. He barely made the cut, but he profiles really well for this golf course, in my opinion. He's very long off the tee. He's good on approach from every single distance, and his length is going to give him advantage with, you know, this course being a very long course. Uh, and he also, in terms of my comp courses, he had a T8 in Detroit last year. Um, so I absolutely think this profiles really well for Wyndham Clark. In my opinion, he would be the third ranked golfer head coming into the field this week. Now, Gary Woodland is also a very popular name in the 9k range he has made four straight cuts and he excels at long approach shots it's kind of a big reason why he won the 2019 u.s open at pebble he was just elite on those long par fours at pebble beach he was able to hit those small greens with a long iron in his hand where a lot of guys were not able to and so i think this course does shape up well for him and it kind of shows what he did last year last year he was t24 uh, at this golf course but he was not playing as well coming in as he is currently this year. And also he lost strokes with the putter last year and still came in T24. So I definitely think the ceiling is very high for Gary Woodland. I think everything profiles really well for him. I think he would be, you know, fourth in the power rankings this week. You know, for these 9K guys, you're going to kind of have to nitpick what you want to pro, um, what you want to prioritize uh, in terms of picking these guys because they, they all have talent. They're all like, have winning upside. It's just what you want to, you know, decide to pay for in DFS or in an outright betting market. Now, Nikolai Hoygaard, 
Hoygaard, I believe is how you pronounce it, um, is statistically the longest hitter in the field. Um, so you're going to get that advantage if you you know deploy him this week. And in one of my comp courses, he was the runner-up at Corrales Golf Club this year. I think this kid has a lot of talent. He's got a lot of upside, uh, and I definitely don't mind deploying him in any formats because of that ability off the tee. Now, Maverick McNeely is not one of the longest hitters, but he does excel at a few different types of courses. He excels at coastal courses. He excels at long courses. He generally excels at courses with small greens, but this isn't really a course with small greens, so maybe that box isn't checked, but he is one of the elite putters on the PGA Tour, and if this does happen to turn into a putting contest because everybody's able to hit greens, Maverick Manili is a guy who could win that putting contest. If we were to see a weather forecast where there was not going to be a whole lot of wind uh, this week at Vallarta, uh, then I would definitely be very intrigued to Maverick Manili because if it does turn into one of those events where everybody's hitting the greens, he's probably a guy who's likely to win the putting contest. Now, Patrick Rogers is another guy I really like this week. He is actually top five in the field in strokes gained at past Palom golf courses. Uh, and he also has good form coming in. He's got back-to-back -back 20 or top 20 finishes um, coming into this event. And last year, he did have a solo 10th place finish. So Patrick Rogers, to me, checks off all the boxes. He's long off the tee. He's good on past Palom. He was good here last year. Got good form coming in. Check, 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 check. Uh, I definitely have no problem with Patrick Rogers. And if you want to deploy him instead of a Clark or a Hoygaard and get that little bit of savings on DraftKings or FanDuel, I definitely think that's a really smart play. Now, Taylor Pendrith is um, quite the mercurial profile. So he had back-to-back -back cuts um, in earlier in April uh, before making the cut last week at the team event at the Zurich Classic, but he really does excel at the comp courses. He has a top 15 finish at Torrey Pines, and he was T2 at Detroit Golf Club last year. So I definitely think that there is some upside for Taylor Pendrith, but you do worry a little bit about that recent form coming in. Now, Ben Ahn is a guy who is the opposite. He's playing great golf coming in. Uh, he was sixth at the Valero, and he was top 20 last week in the team event at the Zurich. Um, what I really like about Ben Ahn, not only is he long off the tee, but he is an elite birdie maker. He has a very high birdie rate. So if this does turn into a tournament that's going to be a little bit of a birdie fest, I think you would need the wind to die down for that to happen. He is a guy who can have the ability to go low and make a lot of birdies in bunches. All right, so that is the profiles for the top of the board. Let's take a quick breather, and then let's talk about some value plays. All right, so I do have a quick side note before we get started with looking at the value plays. So I have been a big proponent in the last few weeks of playing in draft formats, snake draft formats uh, on DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, I generally enjoy it. It's kind of like playing, you know, like a fantasy football draft, kind of, you know, just for one week at a time in golf. It's a very enjoyable to me, and it kind of gives you a little beat on, you know, how the public feels about people with who they're drafting over who, um, you know, irregardless of salary. Um, but anyway, that's probably not something that I'm going to be doing a whole lot of this week. Because when you look at it, you got Rom, you got Finau, and then there's a drop-off, right? So if you're going to be doing any draft formats this week, you better hope you get a top one or top two pick because if not, you're going to be picking from a whole lot of guys where there's not really an advantage over the other, and you're not going to get one of the big dogs in Rom and Finau. And so for that reason, I'm probably not going to be you know playing a whole lot of that format this week, just me personally. Uh, but it is a format that I do enjoy. It is a format that if you haven't tried, I highly recommend it. And it's also a format that if you want to get a little bit of a picture for ownership. You can kind of see what people think of guys by seeing where they're drafted. All right. Anyway, let's talk about some value plays now. 
So the first one that I got to talk about, Bo Hostler seems to be the class of the 8K range on DraftKings. Uh, he almost won the event last week with Wyndham Clark, uh, and he kind of checks a lot of boxes. He's long off the tee. He's got three good finishes coming in, and he's another one, like we mentioned with Ben, on high birdie percentage. Um, so he is a guy that does have the ability to go low. And Bo Hostler's main weakness, which is currently his approach play, shouldn't be something that's really like hampered at this course because if everybody's going to have the long irons in their hands, then it's not like he's going to be at a disadvantage to the rest of the field because a lot of people are going to be missing greens. Ben Martin is an interesting case because he had a cut streak of seven before the team event last week. He was playing some really good golf, but to me, he doesn't profile really well for this golf course. He is not the longest off the tee, and he did miss the cut here last year, but I still do like that recent form coming in individually. Uh, he's probably not a big-time play for me this week, but he is definitely an option with that form coming in. Now, Emiliano Grillo ranked number one in the field in strokes gained at past Palom courses over the last three years. Um, so I actually think he is very intriguing for that reason. He he checks off all the boxes other than that. He's long off the tee. Great finish at Harbor Town coming in. Um, definitely would have no problem deploying Emiliano Grillo this week. Now, Alex Smalley is a guy that I kind of have a little bit of a caution flag on because there's you know some good traits and some not so good traits. So he did finish sixth here last year. He does profile well for the course and he does play well at windy coastal courses, but his form coming in is very worrisome. He's missed four of his last six cuts. I worry that his game is not in the same place right now that it was when he had his sixth place finish last year. Um, so I'm probably out on Alex Smalley this week. Now the bottom half of the 8K range has some absolute bombers off the tee. First of which is Garrick Higo, um, who's one win on the PGA Tour is at a long coastal course at Congaree, so definitely has that going for him. Uh, next up is Brandon Wu, who was the runner-up here last year. I expect him to be one of the higher-owned golfers in the 8K range for that reason. Uh, the form is not great coming in, but hey, he didn't have great form coming in here last year, and he finished runner-up, so um, definitely wouldn't be too big of a concern. If he does profile for higher ownership, I'll gladly pivot up to Higo or down to the next guy, who is Steven Yeager. Um, Steven Yeager, another guy who's long off the tee, came in 15th place here last year. Uh, also seems to excel at long courses in general. In terms of the comp courses, he did have a fifth place finish last year in Detroit. Definitely would have no problem going to Steven Yeager. Matt Wallace is a guy that I will mention solely because of his win at Corrales this year, which is one of my comp courses. Um, I, I think that if this does turn into a more windy golf tournament, he's a guy that I would like a lot because that's kind of how he did it at Corrales. Last in the AK range is MJ Duffy, who really doesn't have a whole lot of data at the comp courses, but he does have great recent form coming in. He does have four straight top 30 finishes. Now, before we transition to the 7K range, I do want to mention this. The Mexico Open last year in terms of FanDuel and DraftKings was fairly chalky um, with all of the top guys making the cut. There was only one golfer above $8,500 on DraftKings who missed the cut last year, and that was Chris Kirk. Um, so it's very likely this year that when you set up your lineups, um, you're probably going to see a good amount of guys in the 10, 9, 8K range that are making cuts. Um, so you're going to have to get the guys who have some winning upside, but you're also going to have to get right the 7K and the 6K range as well. So let's break down that 7K range on DraftKings. So first up, the top of the 7K range has three bombers, kind of continuing the trend that the 8K range started. Uh, they are Will Gordon, Joseph Bramlett, and Luke List. Of the three, I prefer Luke List because, hear me out, Luke List is a terrible putter. Yes, I know, that's that's not a ringing endorsement. But 
What you get with Luke List is that because he's so bad at putting, if he is just average for a week at putting, he has some genuine winning upside, like he did at Torrey Pines in the Farmers Insurance Open in 2022. That was a tough field, first off. Uh, it's a long golf course. It's one of my comp courses. And so if you look at that ability, that you know that upside for Luke List, I don't think anybody else in the 7K range has that. And obviously, it's not... Always going to be pretty. He might miss the cut by five shots. But hey, if you get an average putting week out of loot list, he gives you winning upside here that no one else in this 7K range does. Next up for me is going to be Late Lashley. He probably has the best track record of anybody not named John Rahm or Tony Finau at the comp courses. He came in 11th here last year at Vedanta. He has a third place finish in Puerto Rico, and he has a win at the Rocky Mortgage Classic. Doesn't really get much better than that for, for Nate Lashley. Um, so he's definitely a guy that I'm going to be deploying in my lineups this week. Now, there's also two guys that I'm going to continue to play regardless of where at or anything else for that matter. That's Dylan Wu and Akshay Batia. Both of them elite birdie makers, long off the tee. You worry about them at courses where they can get themselves in trouble because they can't spray it. Um, this is not one of those courses. So I definitely like the upside of both of them with their ability to make birdies. And they're guys that I'm just going to continue to put into my lineups because I think they're so talented. They're eventually going to break through for those first wins. Uh, and it's only a matter of time before it happens. Now, Andrew Novak is kind of an under the radar play in my opinion. Came in 15th place here last year, uh, and his recent form coming in is pretty solid. He was 9th at the Valero Texas Open, and he was 46th at Corrales. Um, so I kind of think he's a little bit of a sneaky play, and I don't really think ownership's going to be super high on him because I don't think he's one of those names that pop out. Like, no one rushes to play Andrew Novak. I think Batia and Wu will probably garner a lot of the ownership for this range, um, so I think Novak might be a lower-owned pivot that you could get to. Michael Kim is another guy coming in who has great recent form, and he is one of the best birdie makers in the field. So he's yet another guy, if you want to pivot away from Wu and Batia, uh, Michael Kim would give you the ability to do so. Now, the bottom of the 7K range, much like the top of the 7K range, has some bombers off the tee as well. First one is Vincent Norman, who did make the cut with his partner last week at the Zurich Classic. And Vincent Norman, I believe, is a pretty young guy um, coming out of Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he is super long off the tee. He just like really hits the golf ball very far. Uh, his driving distance is up near the top. Uh, and he's definitely a guy that profiles well for the course. I don't really have a whole lot of data to back it up, but he is a guy who does excel um, at driving the golf ball off the tee. Uh, much like Cameron Champ, who has probably the worst recent form of anybody coming in. He's missed five cuts in a row coming in, but his finish here last year is definitely encouraging. He did come in sixth last year. And if there was a course where he does have an advantage because of his length off the tee, it is going to be here at Vedanta. Um, so I definitely wouldn't mind going for Cameron Champ this week. Now, for reference, um, his recent form was obviously better coming in last year. Last year, he was in the 9K range coming into this tournament. Um, so it's definitely not the same Cameron Champ that we got last year. But hey, he does give you that same upside. It's not like he forgot how to hit driver. You know, like he's still going to be pretty good for driving. And uh, if he can just piece the rest of his game together, he's going to give you a pretty solid finish. Now, looking down at the 6K range on DraftKings, it's... um. It's not great because this field as a whole is not great. So you do have Brent Grant and Ryan Gerard, who are two young, long off the tee players who have a lot of upside. Wouldn't mind going with either of them in terms of just kind of like a dart throw. Um, you also have another one interesting nugget that I did find. Um, Austin Smotherman actually won the Mexico Open before, um, but it wasn't a PGA Tour event then. I believe it was a PGA Tour Latin America's event, and I don't believe it was at Vedanta, but he does have history in the country of Mexico at winning golf tournaments, which is not something that a lot of people have other than John Rahm. 
Now, Martin Trainer is a guy that I do have a lot of interest in. He is a very long hitter off the tee. Uh, he finished 22nd at Corrales earlier this year, kind of faded on Sunday. He was really in contention after Saturday and just kind of faded down the stretch. Um, he, he did have an 11th place finish here last year. So you're looking at tropical courses where length is an advantage and he has two good finishes at, and he's in the 6K range on DraftKings. Yeah, he's a guy that I'm probably going to be playing a lot of this week. Then that's Martin Trainer. Tano Goya has a good run of recent finishes. Um, he is from South America, so it does make sense that he's kind of pieced it together in Latin America as the, the tour has kind of swung over there. Uh, he came in 11th in Puerto Rico and 35th at Corrales. So maybe if he can do the same here again in Mexico, like he would easily pay off his price tag. Carson Young is another one that's performed well at those two events. Um, he is not from South America, but he did play well in the Latin American events. He was 38th at Corrales and then third in Puerto Rico. Now, I do have two more dart throws to just kind of look at here at the bottom of the 6K range. You may have to do one of these two or somebody else if you want to play both Rom and Finau, which, like I said, is a super bold strategy, but definitely an option. Um, so the first one's Michael Gligic. Uh, he did make the cut with Taylor Pendrith in the team event last week at the Zurich. Um, previously to that, his recent form was not great at all. He was really playing more Corn Ferry Tour events than PGA Tour events. But hey, if you take out John Rom and Tony Finau, this kind of looks like a Corn Ferry Tour event. Anyway, um, he did finish in T24 here last year. Um, so Gligic does give you a little bit of that upside with his finish last year. And then hopefully, maybe he found a little something with making the cut last week at the Zurich Classic. Now, last one for me is Alvaro Ortiz. So if you look at him on DraftKings, he's not going to have anything in his game locks because he hasn't played an event on the PGA Tour in this season. But I'm kind of okay with that. You know, this is the Mexico Open, and he is from Mexico. He's actually the younger brother of Carlos Ortiz, who is now on the Live Tour. Now, Alvaro Ortiz, the most notable things about his career, uh, he did make the cut as an amateur in 2019 at the Masters. Um, he did not get low amateur because Victor Hovland beat him by, I believe, two strokes. Um, but, you know, you, you can't make the cut at Augusta as an amateur and not be talented, right? Like, he's he's got some talent clearly in there. Uh, and then last year at this tournament, he, you know, he had a little bit of national pride in playing the Mexico Open as a Mexican, uh, and he came in T42 in that outing. Um, so if he does that again this year at his price tag on FanDuel and DraftKings, he'd easily pay off his salary. Um, so, you know, if you want to play a local Mexican in the Mexico Open, he is probably the guy I would do it with. Younger brother of Carlos Ortiz, maybe he could, you know, complete another duo of brothers who have won on the PGA Tour. All right, so that does it for all of the golfer profiles. Let's take a quick breather and let's talk about one and done. All right, in my opinion, with this not being an elevated event, this is not the week to be aggressive in one and done. This is a week where um, stay away from Rahm and Finau because you're going to want them later in the season. You know, I could rattle off all kinds of courses that you're going to want to play Rahm at, like the Memorial, the U.S. Open, you know, just all kinds of them, right? And then Tony Finau, you got the stretch in the summer where he went back to back last year. Um, and I just think that I'm not really into using either of these two guys at a non-elevated event. Um, and I'm kind of just willing to pass on both of them for that reason and save them for later. Um, what I do think is with the rest of the field, though, it's bombs away. Like you're probably not going to see another event this week where you're going to want to use Wyndham Clark. Or you're going to want to use Nikolai Hoygaard, right? Um, so you can be as aggressive as you want from the rest of the field. 
I would expect Gary Woodland to be the most popular choice. Um, I think he's the name that, especially in more casual one and duns, he's the name that people are going to know because he does have that U.S. Open win. Um, so I think that he's probably going to be the more chalky pick this week for one and duns. Um, but I really wouldn't have a problem going with like a whole lot of guys this week. I think if you're really looking for a sleeper, I think Emiliano Grillo uh, and Steven Yeager would probably fit the bill for two sleepers that I would go with. Um, but if I'm being totally honest, for me, it's probably going to be down between Clark, Woodland, and Hoygaard. Maybe Patrick Rogers. I might have to do a little bit of a deeper dive on Patrick Rogers before I'd go there. Um, but probably between those four for me this week, I'm not really going to get too inventive, but I'm also not going to go with Rom or Finau. Because if somebody does play Ron Murphy now this week and they don't win, then it's almost going to look back as kind of a waste later on down the line in terms of how much money you're getting from a non-elevated event and one of the best golfers in the world. All right, so that does it for the one-and-done strategy for this week, and that does it for our 30-minute comprehensive 2023 Mexico Open preview. So if you like what you heard on this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button. You'll be notified when new episodes drop. Like our episode coming tomorrow night, which is our preview of Live Golf Singapore. Um, you know, I'm not, on the record not being the biggest fan of Live Golf. I think there's some things that they have right with also some things that they have very, very wrong. Um, more on that tomorrow. But um, I will be doing a podcast for it since there are DraftKings contests to be filled and there are bets to be made. So um, I'm you know, going to be doing an episode for it. Um, if you want to listen, check that out. I highly recommend it. It'll help me out as well. Uh, and then also, if you like what you're hearing on the podcast, guys, please rate and review. Uh, I'm not kidding. It really does help me out a lot when you do that. All right. So that does it for this week's episode. Um, we will be back with the Live Golf episode tomorrow night. We will be back next week to preview the Wells Fargo Championship. I believe it's the Wells Fargo Championship. I think it is. Maybe, maybe not. Anyway, we will be back next week to preview the next PGA Tour event, whether it's Wells Fargo or not, although I'm pretty confident that it is. All right. Anyway, um, that does it for this podcast, guys. So um, best of luck to you in whatever endeavors you're going with this week, whether you're playing DFS, whether you're betting, whether you're playing one and done. Hopefully, I gave you guys some information that you can use. Wish you the best of luck in all your contests. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you guys next time. Mm-hmm.